Wainayel is a small figurine. It's a massive head with a small body with two legs that are apart. He has a serious or almost painful expression on his face. So the eyes are very big, the lips are very big. His arms are crossed on his torso and his legs are outstretched. The V shape, the upside down V shape or the pyramid shape was divinity. Birdman has the face or head of a bird or avian figure. His arms are outstretched. The bottom half of him is semi-human but not so much human. I guess we'd call an anthropomorphic figure. What they did with the figurines was that they buried them in the soil. If Bonayel is the one who gives life, they felt that putting him inside the soil, he would nurture and fertilize the soil and then they can grow the crops. There are no records to show how they actually ended up in the British Museum officially. For them to get the figurines, they've had to have dug them up, known where they were, dug them up and taken them. Vice Vice. Vice News presents the Unfiltered History Tour. Colonialism. As told through 10 objects. My name is Sharifa Balfour. I am currently a curator at National Museum West, which is a museum that is located in Montego Bay, Jamaica. I am not a fine art curator, but I'm actually an historic and ethnographic curator, which means that I deal with any and all objects related to the history and culture of Jamaica. My name is Daryl Blake. I am a historian, an educator, social activist, born in Britain of Jamaican heritage and ancestry. Bonayel and Birdman are Zemis or Semis, it just depends on your location. A Semi or Zemi is a spirit or ancestor that the town of people put their energy and concepts into a figurine and housed it with them. And the Taino are the indigenous people of Jamaica. So they were a very peaceful people, they were not warlike. They loved life. These were a certain set of people who every single day looked at life as it's meant to be lived and not survived. The Tainos were very, very, very spiritual people. They weren't a part of the monotheistic religions. They sort of embraced the natures of the world and connected the outer world into the inner world. They would always consult spiritually before any big decision was made. So they had many different Zemis that represented Mother Earth. They had a Zemi accompanying people to the afterlife. They would have a Zemi to represent birth and death and harvest and good health and anything else that you can really think about. Bonayel is said to be the Zemi that represents rain. He's said to be the rain bringer or the rain giver. Um, on the other hand, there has not been any very clear indication what Birdman represents, but the, what, the most accepted explanation of what he represents is that he may have been a deity that represented some part of Taino agricultural landscape. In 
the late 1400s, the Western world or the Eurocentric way of living is now going to emerge and develop and spread across the globe. What that meant was conquer. Pope Innocente, which is quite funny because his name is Pope Innocent, even though he wasn't innocent at all. What he did was commission Cristobal Colón or Christopher Columbus to set sail and travel and find new land, set up a base to encourage enslavement. When he ended up in the Americas, he bumped into Tainos. The Tainos being friendly individuals, welcomed him, his crew, showed them how to adopt their ships in the Caribbean because it was rocky shores. So the three ships that he traveled on were docked and brought around a few things that they could trade. The Tainos gave them gold, Christopher Columbus crew gave them tobacco. They set off and when they came back, and I mean Christopher Colon came back with 17 warships. And when he's coming back with warships, he's coming to conquer. He went from island to island. You know, basically decimated most of the Taino population. There is this misconception that the Tainos were completely decimated and, you know, none of them survived, which is not true. The geography of Jamaica is a very hilly country. So a lot of the Taino people that did survive stayed in the hills. Away from the purview of the Spaniards. As we enter into the 16th century, you have Queen Elizabeth I, Britain's favourite queen. Queen Elizabeth I in the mid-1500s actually decided to fund Sir John Hawkin and Sir Francis Drake to travel to the Caribbean and within that space Spain are defeated by the British what we call the Spanish Armada and Jamaica becomes the number one hub for the British economy in the transatlantic slave trade. That would have been the initial start of the trade in enslaved persons in Jamaica. So that would have lasted until 1838. And during that time, you know, all of the atrocities of slavery happened in Jamaica. This would have also been the start of maroon communities. It's important to note here that many of the Africans who ran away from the plantations, they would have found these Taino communities and they would have intermarried and interbred. So many Jamaicans still have Taino DNA within them. So after slavery has ended, indentured labors from India and China were brought. And then moving along throughout history, you would have had other smaller groups that would have came. You would have had Germans, you would have had Welsh coming in, you would have had Syrian Lebanese coming in. And then you get to 1962, where you have independence. And Jamaica is in some sense still a very colonially minded space. But after 1962, we are what you would call an independent nation. I wouldn't necessarily say that the British stole Jamaican culture. It's more along the lines that they impose a great deal of their culture on Jamaica. Hence the reason Jamaica has so many social challenges today. 
through colonialism, a lot of people's original culture was lost and diluted. And I think that's really where the issue is. In the British Museum, they have stolen artifacts that are synonymous with the Taino people. Birdman being one, Wanayel being two. Wanayel and Birdman were found by a land surveyor in June of 1792. So then records indicate that on the evening of April 11, 1799, these sculptures were displayed at the Society for Antiquaries London and it is said that they were put on display by a member of the Society of Antiquaries, Isaac Alves Rebellio Esquire. There are no records to show how they actually ended up in the British Museum officially. So in Jamaica, they found in 1792, then they show up in London in 1799. Maybe seven years had passed between being found in Jamaica, showing up in London, and then they were only accession to the British Museum in 1977. So that's a great deal of time that has to be accounted for. The Jamaican government, I think the first time that they did ask these objects to be repatriated was in 1939. And the response of the trustees at the British Museum was to do plaster casts and send them back to Jamaica while they kept the original. So what we have on display in Jamaica currently are two plaster casts and the original versions have been kept in the British Museum. It is highly disrespectful having a Jamaican background there's a part of me that uh, it sort of like disrupts my 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 spirit a little bit because it's like it's, it's like that lingering memory of what Britain's done taking something from Jamaica and not giving it back it's just like it's, it's a slap in the face to say by the way even though you know it's nearly 60 years since you've had your independence we can still do stuff I do know that the British Museum, they're saying that, you know, having all these objects from around the world, Jamaica included, is important to humanity because so many people come to their museums and they are able to teach humanity about so many different types of cultures. But my question is, what about the people that the objects belong to? You know, what about their history? What about their culture? People travel. So it's not that Jamaica is just this isolated place that other people can't come to. We also have a museum. We also have galleries. We have spaces that these objects can be shown. And I would like to add at this juncture that these objects are currently not on display. They're locked away in a storage space. So how are you really, how valid is that argument? It's like a parent saying to a child, because I said so. In keeping your objects because I am older, I am better, we've been caring for this, we've put so many resources into it. The reason why you have it is because most likely you stole it. We were enslaved. We were in a very poor economic situation for a very long time because of you. 
the curriculum, the national curriculum hasn't changed much over the past 60 to 70 years. So when I went to school in Jamaica, we learned the national curriculum, but we was taught a different way. Colonialism isn't discussed in the history books in, in Jamaica. It's only taught through art, media and creation of music, and like different things, but actually through the national curriculum, the story of the relationship between Jamaica and Britain isn't touched on. And here, in terms of British society, the government are not convinced that systematic oppression exists. What's funny is that Britain invented racism in the state that it's in now, but then when it's presented to them, they are baffled by the whole concept of racism. Britain is known for being blind to actually the damages of what they've done and they're not going to change because for them to change they will have to get rid of their history and for them to get rid of their history that means that Britain doesn't exist. This podcast was produced by Jesse Lawson with research from Marta Vanderwolf. This episode features music from TinoAge.com and sounds from BP or Not BP. The Unfiltered History Tour is a Vice World News production.